And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 267 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, April 15th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and the only guy who knows what that funky little E is in his Twitter handle, Mr. Joe Polizzi. You, you noticed that. What the hell's up? What the hell is up with that, that thing? That's the sim. Are you trying to be like super emoji cool guy now? Like put a little fire truck after your name or something? It's yes. It first of all, it's completely silly. It yes. And I, I might and I 100%. might take it down because I've had a few people say, What the heck is that? Is that an E or what? It's the it's the symbol for ether. I yes, I'm aware. <laughs> I think okay. I'm, if you're making I'm fun aware. of me for it, I think I'm gonna have to yeah. take it down. Yeah, Mr. Joe E. I want. Polizzi. Well, I mean, I have you know hashtag Bitcoin in my Twitter profile. I know that I wasn't even gonna call attention to that one either, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a big believer in decentralized finance. I'm just waiting for the I'm I'm waiting for the Joe Polizzi video with the Lamborghini outside in the front with you walking out. If you get into Bitcoin and Ether, you too can have this Lambo in the middle of Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> hey. I've been I was talking up first of all. I'm not yeah. I, I was not early to the game here. I was earlier no, than most we, of the people. We, neither of us are early to this yes. whole crypto thing. I, yeah, we are we are we are we're late, late to the but, party. I, but here's the thing. Yes. Overall, late, not an early adopter, but compared to everyone I know, very oh, yeah. early. That's oh. the difference. Oh my gosh. I think everyone yeah. that that I think everyone that I know that has bought Bitcoin probably did cuz I kept incessantly talking about it with them saying the dollar is a melting ice cube and you need to put your cash into something that's not going to disintegrate <laughs> well it's it, you know the funny thing is i'm i'm now you know the you know and and look i purport to have very little knowledge here but i am by far in my family and my circle of friends the most expert in this area and I'm getting all the questions, right? I mean, you know, like, should I get in on the, did you get in on the IPO of Coinbase, Joe? Did you get in on that? Um, you know, because I had a million questions in my inbox saying, should we buy in on the IPO of Coinbase, which happened, of course, yesterday. I saw, I saw your notes that you you actually purchased a little bit, huh? I did. I did get into it. Yeah, I, I thought it would be fun. I thought I, I bought, I literally bought two shares. So, you know, I mean, just for fun. Just to, yeah, well, it's, I, it's. The importance of the Coinbase direct listing is that now a lot of people will have some kind of exposure to cryptocurrency that have never had it before. And yeah, I think that's I think that's that's, that's yeah. why it's such a big deal for cryptocurrency in general. So you've sort of because it's not a risk. I mean, it's all the top VCs got in on the Coinbase IPO, all the you know. All the uh, analysts say it's a great buy. It's growing like crazy. It's a Silicon Valley company. There's no risk. There's no risk. Right. So, well, it's it's funny because the I, I think the other thing, the 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 comment I tend to get a lot from friends and family is 
they still don't understand the whole concept of a wallet plus buying Bitcoin plus how do I store it plus the 12 word password hash, you know, all that stuff, right? It's not super easy, right? You got to you got to read, you got to think it through, you got to figure out how you're going to store it, you got to think, you know, so it's it's if you're going to buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin, there's, you know, there's some uh, arguably technology savvy stuff you got to do. If you're going to buy an ETF, you know, of, you know, or a, you know, or a stock, it's a it's a lot easier, right? You know, you just pop open your Ameritrade account and you buy it, right? It, it it's that simple. And I think the consumerization that Coinbase and that is bringing about is is mostly going to be focused there for the short term, and you know we'll see what happens over the long term. But it's like the of my friends and family who are buying Bitcoin, it's a process, right? It's like they go, all right, they got to go research which wallet to have on their phone and which way they're going to do it, and are they going to get into this, and are they going to have a wallet and a trading platform, or a trading platform and a wallet? You know, it's 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 not consumerized That's, yet. Well, it it is and it isn't. You yes, whatever what you just said was absolutely true. Or you could just open a Coinbase account, or you could just buy it through uh, PayPal or Cash App, and you've got it. Now it is different. It's so it's right. not like you're it's not like you're storing your keys and all that kind of stuff. You're sort of buying it like you would a stock. So it's a right. totally different you're feel. Buying, but that's you're the buying easy a, way in. That's yeah. the that's the that's right. You know. So it's not as yeah. hard as it used and the interest that that well that's that's absolutely true. I mean, it's not nearly as hard as it used to be. Um, and and it's you know and, and with the advent of some of the more mobile friendly wallets and stuff it's it's pretty darn simple right you know to just get a wallet and connect it to a uh, bank account and 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 be able to you know buy and sell and, and do what you want to do but did you watch the the documentary the uh the crypto cryptopia i did, did. have you seen that I absolutely did yeah mm-hmm. what'd you think of it yeah I thought it was really interesting, um, but I don't think they did a very good job of explaining it because so it was actually and the reason I mentioned it was because it was a a friend of mine who she is just trying to figure all this stuff out and is not terribly tech savvy and said, basically, I watched this. I found it fascinating and still don't understand what the hell's going on. And, and so I thought, oh, I'll watch it and see what I thought. Now, the one thing I didn't know is how closely, you know, related and incestuous, quite frankly, Ether is to Bitcoin, to Bitcoin Cash, to, you know, watching that whole family tree sort of, you know, explode, as it were, with all of the jealousy and all that sort of personal animosity. That oh, you definitely have your camps, that, right? You you have oh you my have believers in one area and yeah. the outcasts in another area. It's it really is it's, crazy. It's like a soap opera. It's yeah that that part was fascinating to me. I just thought they didn't do a terribly good job of uh, explaining how it works. You know, with their little animated videos of boxes and you know all that kind of stuff. It just made it 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 made it seem more. It's you know the, at its core. Uh, the whole idea of blockchain uh, is—I won't say it's simple, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's not. Ledger. Yeah, it's—it's it's basically you know it, it you know it, 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 I just didn't think they did a great job of explaining. Yeah, it but there and all. there's a lot of them out there. Uh, so 
I mean, there, I've been I haven't read it yet, but I've been told the bit the book the Bitcoin Standard is sort of must read. And then my favorite podcast that I've listened to for the last year is the breakdown from NLW, and his name is Nathaniel Whittemore. Actually, he's a case study in the Content Inc. book. And uh, that if if you are a beginner and you're trying to understand not just Bitcoin but the macro economy, so outside of stocks, you know how what happens with inflation? Is it important? What happens with other currencies? Those types of things. It's really easy to understand because he has ten to twelve minute episodes, and he goes through the news in a way that's very understandable. So anybody listening, oh, yeah, cool. anybody listening yeah. to this that just wants to get their arms around why Bitcoin is important to the larger uh, economy out there, the breakdown by NLW can't recommend it highly enough. So nice. There you go. Well, speaking of our own ridiculousness, we should probably close the loop on our NFT crypto offering that we put out, um, which got exactly as uh, so let me carry the eight, five, seven, zero bits. I have a, I have a theory. <laughs> I ha- would you yeah. like to hear what my theory? You, what's your theory? Yes. Here's my yes. here's my theory. First of all, uh, we don't have super fans, so that's <laughs> that's a, that's well, all. But that's yes. a th- that's a that's a pretty that's safe a pretty theory. Safe theory. Yeah, I- the o- but the other thing is that the majority of our audience does is not really associated with cryptocurrency. It, I would say the majority of our audience Agreed. listening does not have a, a a MetaMask wallet where they have Ether in that account where they can actually purchase an NFT. That's a great point too. It's a, it's a, the majority of our audiences like the friends and family we just talked about, right? Which is they're still they're, they're looking to us to sort of explain <laughs> explain well, I had, it. I had somebody is... I was I was direct messaging with somebody who said, "What are you doing?" and you're and I said, "Oh, we're we're creating our first podcast episode <laughs> as a non-fungible token." And I said, "We're going to do it for charity." And they just said, you know, back and forth, like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know yeah, how to do it. I understand some of the words you used. but Yeah, they uh, said, I went to OpenSea, but it's not like eBay. I can't just use cash, you know, those. Th- so there's a lot of uh, our problems were on multiple levels. That's well, that's that's true. Full stop. That, probably that's, just that's the T-shirt that I wear. Yeah. One ether, which would be like 50 bucks. That probably would have been. I think somebody would have bought it. Probably who didn't even know us and just say, hey, what the heck? Take a flyer on this stupid content over <laughs> here and see what that is. Well, I was going to buy it with Tilt Coin, but uh, I, I didn't have enough Tilt hey, Coin to be able tilt to buy coin it. Is the, hey, tilt Coin is hey. the future. You know, it's, by the way, the whole, the whole uh, creator coin thing, I'm, as you know, I'm down the rabbit hole, totally fascinated with. Uh, for people that you know haven't been listening to some of the shows, we're at the tilt.com. We are trying to create our own little currency and economy out of it. And I'm doing it more as a test than anything else. And so what we do is we give it away to people that, you know, share our content. If you subscribe to the newsletter, you will actually get tilt coin because of that. And then what we're going to do is open exclusive content opportunities down the road and see if we can actually make a thing of this thing. Now, what I do like about it, Robert, is if you go to other, we're on the rally.io network. And what I do like about that, there are a lot of con- creators that have been able to successfully monetize their platform, if you will, create their own little economy. It's 
going really well and successful. Yeah. So there's already, even though we're early, early, early adopter, there are even earlier adopters that are doing really well with it. So I'm fascinated by it to see if it's an actual thing a creator could do. So we will, it's, we will see. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch for yeah, sure. Yeah. We're all learning uh, here. We don't know. Who knows? Yeah, Exactly. You know, Who knows? making this up. All we, we know along. is we we at this old marketing are not going to be doing any NFTs in the very near future. <laughs> no, that is that is a fair statement. That is a fair statement. All right, yeah. all right. Let's shall we it. to the news? Okay, fantastic. Well, our first story here is about uh, media uh, and um, and I guess broadly speaking, content marketing. Here, it's a brand that we've talked about several times on the show, and that is, of course, DraftKings. Um, and uh, the story comes to us courtesy of Axios, and uh, they apparently have the scoop, as it were, and the headline is DraftKings Ready's Major Media Push. DraftKings, says the article in its opening, has hired Brian Angiole, a former senior vice president and chief business officer at Verizon, as the company's first ever chief media officer. Angiole will lead a team responsible for evaluating potential media acquisitions and content efforts, sources tell Axios. The team will help vet future deals and content partnerships that the company will use to help drive customer referrals to its sports book. Uh, and it goes on to talk about DraftKings, the fact that they have uh, talked about a potential deal with Action Network, digital sports publisher, um, and others, and some of the other uh, things that they have done in this space, which of course is to acquire media companies and put uh, put this whole division together. What say you, Mr. Joe Polizzi? This is really you know, someone who's really starting to take this whole content marketing thing seriously. I I love this. I fell in love with it. I've read it a couple of times, just trying to get my arms around it. This is what I think all enterprise businesses should do. They should, and whether you call it a chief media officer, a chief content officer, a, you know, executive in charge of M&A, I, I don't care. But the fact that they're looking at media acquisitions as a serious part of their overall business strategy is phenomenal. And then if you even go down to the bottom part of this article, it says how it works. It says for sportsbook operators like DraftKings, as well as rival FanDuel and casinos like MGM, Caesars, and Wynn, owning content could be a cheaper long-term vehicle for accruing customers than paid marketing. I mean, how far have we come? (laughs) Yeah, that is incredible. Well, it, it's you know, and it's something that is accelerated. This is we you know in the it, it's it's part it's a major part of the introduction of my new masterclass, and it's something that I've you know been speaking about in my keynotes as 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 I've been doing them virtually for the most part for the last six months or so. And and the the critical piece there is the trend that you cannot ignore the accelerated trend that you cannot ignore no matter i don't care what business you're in is the replacement of digital experiences as a proxy for the physical relationship that we used to have with customers and that you know whether you call it the direct to consumer movement from the retail side of the house whether you call it um in-housing agency and content services for many b2b organizations because they have to develop better communities and better sales enablement programs for their sales guys who don't get to sit in front of tables and give powerpoints anymore whatever you know whatever lens you look at it through depending on your business cuz it's easy to go oh it's gambling it's you know blah 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 it's but hold on just you know, wait for it, because what they're really saying here is that 
rather than be present in a physical space like a casino or a sports event and be physically present there for betting, what they're, what they're quote unquote betting on is that digital content experiences will be the way that you interface with, uh, with gambling, with, you know, with betting on sports. And that's what you're going to tune into. You're going to tune into shows. You're going to turn into tune into live sporting events and and channels that you know are sort of a meta layer on top of live sporting events, and you know analysis of sporting events. And it's all going to become you know sort of if you're a if if you're a, a person who loves to do the sports book, well, it becomes a bit of the Bloomberg terminal um, for you to actually look into and see everything going on and become an in. in "Quote unquote," informed investor or informed gambler, if you prefer, and th- th- it's just such a brilliant move to say that, hey, what we really are at the end of the day is a content provider. We're a media network, very much like what Bloomberg decided that they were, you know, many years ago, and built the platform that really drives investment, and in their case, drives gambling, I, and it's. This is such a great template and a case study for those that are thinking about this in business to look at and say, exactly, how are digital experiences becoming more of a proxy for the relationship with our customers these days? And what are we doing yeah, about it's, it? And these guys are making it it's a business such a great strategy. point. And I think here's the issue. I think if you're, a, let's say, a B2B enterprise, you might discount this because you'll say, oh, it's, it's gambling. So it's different. Right. That's exactly but it's right. Not. Yeah. It is the same thing. Everyone is going to be... Uh, you, as you said, working through the, all these digital content experiences, and that's how they are going to interface with your brand, you and your brand. You can sell anything you want. I don't care. If you, I mean, in this case, the people are betting. I don't care what you're yeah. selling. You can sell electronics equipment. Same thing. It, there's no difference. So I, I really think that we're just seeing the start of this, and you're going to see so much acceleration. And we, I think we talked about it on the last episode. There's so much funny money. In corporate enterprises right now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are going to see this stuff. And a friend of mine just sold his podcast to an enterprise. It wasn't a huge deal. It's like a five-figure, a little bit of almost a six-figure deal. But you're starting to see these things happen because you're seeing enterprises say, "Okay, well, yeah, I want to build the platform. I want to build the base. I want to build subscribers. We think we can monetize monetize those subscribers, but." I don't have the patience for it. So what do we do? Well, then you can go out and purchase. And the last thing I'll say about this, and the article goes into this, they didn't just say, like, this just doesn't happen. It just wasn't yesterday that, they, oh, we're going to start buying different media companies, and we believe this digital content thing is actually a thing. They actually did for the last year or two. They had multiple partnerships with media companies. They t- dipped their toe in the water. They tested it out. It started working really well, and they said, oh, well, instead of doing these partnerships with media companies, let's just go buy them. And now your DraftKings is going to be this amazing media enterprise with, of course, they're going to generate revenue through betting and gambling, but they're also going to be generating revenue through a ton of other things like sponsorships and subscriptions and all kinds of other things that you'd never think that a gambling entity would do. And here's the here's the line that 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 did it for me, which is 
in many ways, one of the pushbacks against this is this is not the business we're in, right? Yep. You know, you hear that from CEOs and, and CMOs and CFOs, especially to say, this is not our business, right? This isn't what we do. We're not a media company. We're not, you know, we sell widgets or we manufacture things or we're a service, you know, consultancy or whatever we do. This is not the business we're in. And what I loved about what DraftKings did, and they talk about it in this article where they say, They've done small, a lot of little deals, right? They did a lot of with sports publishers over the last few years. So this is not something they decided to do two months ago and then all of a sudden big bang. It's, it's no, they've been building this by, you know, buying, acquiring and building these small little operations, testing the waters basically for many years. And it finally got to a tipping point where they went, you know what? This has become a big enough operation with, you know, lots of little islands. We need to get our arms around all those little islands and basically hire somebody who's going to come in and basically build a media division of our business because now we've we've made it work, right? And not all of them will have worked or probably did work, but enough of them worked where they said this has now become a central part of our business and so they phased it in they did it slowly they did it you know they, it's not something that's just this big giant bet it's a it's a it was a set you know a, a thought out business strategy over a number of years and that's to me that's that that's what makes it so exciting is that it's it's really it's actually through. very similar to what aero electronics did you know they started out yeah. testing with a couple platforms <laughs> a couple media brands and then they looked at the numbers they looked at their customer base, they looked at their subscribers and they said, you know what, this this could be a thing for us. And then they went out and bought 50 additional media brands and now right. they're That's the largest right. media company in the B2B electronic space with whatever, 53 different brands or whatever they have that they're profitable on their own, let alone the fact that it's a marketing initiative as well. So it's just... That's right. Yeah, it's it's amazing how fast this stuff is moving. Um, it seems like every week we're getting one of these things in and... Um, Completely, yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. You, you talk about we're not a publisher. Everyone is a publisher. It just depends on whether you right. want to acknowledge it or not. That's right. So. That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of that, everybody being a publisher, not just businesses, but all of us as well. Um, our next story here. Um, is in the world of social media, although it covers a, a bit of a broader thing, which is, of course is the yearly Pew research uh, that comes out. And the article we're going to uh, link to is FIPP, uh, F-I-P-P, um, which is the association um, sort of group of, of in the media world. Um, and basically, the headline here is, hate it or love it, social is still on top. And the article opens up by saying, as the industry moves boldly into the second quarter of the year and more tentatively out of the COVID-19 pandemic, we are treated to media research galore last week with the publication of a number of new studies with our love-hate relationship with social media. Uh, Amazon goes from uh, strength to strength, um, and there are others as well. And then the article opens up to say 7 in 10, this is from Pew Research, um, still use social media that, uh, as they say, roughly 7 in 10 Americans use some kind of social media site, a share that has remained relatively stable over the last five years. While these results are perhaps unsurprising, they come in stark contrast to the findings of an October 2020 report produced by the same think tank 
that showed that 64% of Americans believe social media has a mostly negative effect on U.S. life. There you go. So in other words, a lot of us don't like social media, but we're still using it. Um, And this, again, will be likely an unsurprising stance to the many based in their own experiences. The article goes on, by the way, to talk about a number of other things, including the fact that Amazon's advertising business grew by 53%, which is just an astounding number, um, and then goes on to talk about NFTs, um, which we don't have to get into this episode. Sure we do. um, No, we don't have to. We've talked about them enough. Well, the ridiculousness of the fact that the Firefest tweet with the sad sandwich photo, the fact that that thing went by, they're going to sell that as an NFT. Uh, don't even get me started. But um, anyway, that uh, lots of interesting, fun stats in there to think about. Um, we picked it for some of the social media stuff. Um, and so what do you, I know you have a quick take on this. What, well, what the, do you the think? quick take, I, I thought the, it was funny. We, we still use, we're using social media, but we, we think it's bad for us. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I crazy. Yeah. The one yes. that I th- welcome to it. Welcome to welcome to the United States of America, yeah, ladies exactly. and gentlemen. The one that I thought was interesting was the secondary study at the bottom that talked about uh, usage by teens, social usage, where it's a Snapchat. Yeah. Was the preferred social media yep. platform, followed by TikTok and then Instagram, which interestingly, interestingly, is beginning to lose share. That is so interesting to me because Facebook is in trouble. I mean, fate. If you if you look at the younger generation, they're not on Facebook right now, and if if they're beginning to lose interest in Instagram as well, Facebook has a real problem. Now, what are they, they going to put it all into Oculus? Like what? What? I'm really curious of Facebook's long term strategy. I don't really don't know what it is. So that that was my take with this is that that yeah, little I, little I, teeny it's a, it's thing a, where Instagram's yeah, losing market it's a share big, is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, look, it's they get they got a long runway here, right? I mean, they got a long way to go, Facebook. Um, but um, you know, and even you know, even as the population ages, uh, and that you know, what they're not they're also not doing is they're not capturing you know. So they, in, in other words, they're not only losing the younger, let's call them just for a moment, millennials, I don't love to do the segmentation that way, but just, just for ease of, of segmentation, they're not capturing the new youth either. In other words, they're not, it's not just a bubble going through, like they don't have this particular demographic and it's going to ultimately pass through because they're capturing young people. They're not capturing them either. So they're sort of, you know, they're they're ending with our uh, with us, right? You know, with um, with Gen X and, and and Boomers, and and that's that's a problem um, for for any media company. And so if they don't figure out something, you know, which I suspect some acquisition is coming soon, um, you know, you know, TikTok, you know, certainly is is one of them. But but um, you know, I think TikTok has its own challenges as as well, and 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 probably is is mostly a blip, right? You know, the, the messaging apps are, you know, the way that kids, young people communicate is the more, is the more interesting, is the more interesting platform. And for me, that's what brings up the, the most fascinating aspect of this article is we're still, you know, the, the people who are doing research, including us, by the way, are still looking at social media through the lens that we looked at it through 12 years ago when, Facebook and Twitter and, 
you know, um, and all these other platforms came about. So, you know, we're still looking at uh, social media through the eyes of, you know, quote unquote, old people, you know, and, and through a quite frankly, stale look at it. And it's different now, right? You know, when when you look at the the list that they include here, it's become too broad. You know, if you look at platforms like Reddit or Discord or uh, even to some extent YouTube and TikTok, those are not really social media networks. You don't really communicate with your friends. You don't share family pictures on those. You don't you don't um, talk about your lunch. You don't take pictures of your soup. You know, on those platforms, those are all actual um, either discussion where I'm discussing a topic with someone or I'm actually communicating with friends using the platform or it's quite frankly a creator platform where it's all about me creating and it's an audience type of view, which is more like the YouTube TikTok type type of thing. So I think we need to start rethinking what we actually call social media and and start to segment a little more to to basically say, you know, we all we all hate social media and yet we all still use it. Well, no, it's only one category really of social media that we hate and that we're that we're really, you know, um, you know, sort of hate watching, which is sort of the Facebook Twitter idea, not the Reddit Discord um, types of things. Those the kids who are or are on those platforms are very happy, quite frankly, <laughs> with what's what's you going know, on. You make a good point, and I I wouldn't even know where to start to put them into the proper buckets, but it, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't I wouldn't purport to. to and maybe to it know. doesn't I mean, matter. You could probably do yeah. some real deep. Maybe it doesn't matter. It. But if you but I know a lot of kids that use Snapchat. They use it as a messaging platform. Yeah, exactly. Well, they used it, and they do that because they they it's. You know, it wasn't its main intent, right? You know, and, and 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 almost every social media network, at least the way we've traditionally defined them, has had this happen to them, right? In other words, the way that the audience uses the platform isn't the wasn't the original intent. Certainly wasn't the original intent with Twitter. You know, the way that Twitter has evolved. You know. And in fact, Facebook famously, you know, you go back and watch the movies, read the books, all that, you know, it was, you know, it was all about, you know, how to, it was basically a hot or not site. I mean, when it first started, um, where you could go rate your, you know, rate people and, and, and all of that and have some discussion around it. And it certainly changed when it moved out of the college realm and, and started to become more mainstream. You look at, you know, any of them really have sort of had to pivot because of the way that the user base started to use you can see clubhouse going through this 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 and we'll talk about clubhouse here in a minute but you know clubhouse is going through this growing pain right now the way that it was i believe if i read the you know the the way that they announced the platform and what they how they describe the platform is very different than the way that people are actually now using it right and that's a that's a really that's a trend to 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 watch right is is how these things you know, basically transform into communications platforms because you're right. Snapchat really is, the whole use use case for Snapchat now isn't as a content network. Which how many stories did we cover about them getting into the original content game and you know developing original programming and it was going to keep what they but no it's it's a messaging app it's that's what the kids are using it for it's a it's a way to message each other that goes away 
And that's I hear what you're saying, but I think that's true with almost every company. Like you, you would. We, I, we I, talked, I, yeah, yeah, we agree, talked about agree, Coinbase. Agree, Coinbase, agree. I believe, in 2015, their whole goal and mission was to make sure that people could pay with Bitcoin. Now they <laughs> that's barely any. They don't do anything with that, really. Right. It's everything right, else. They're a right. huge trading network now. So it's just interesting. To the last thing that I'll say because I know we want to talk about Clubhouse just a little bit. One of our favorite topics. <laughs> I'll mention NFTs just because you and I have talked quite a bit about the fact that are we in a bubble? This is some of this is crazy, and granted, some of it is very crazy. The whole Firefest tweet, yes, this is just sad and crazy at the same time. But what yeah. what I think people don't understand is if Bitcoin and especially Ethereum keep hitting all time highs, which they continue to do, and they have done for the last six to nine months. NFTs are going to continue just going through the roof because you have the majority of new millionaires in the world right now with cryptocurrency because they saw, I mean, if you, I think at the beginning of last year or something, Ethereum was at a hundred bucks, 85 bucks. Well, now it's at almost 2,500 bucks a share. So, or an ETH. So, you know, Bitcoin, what Bitcoin was, when it went down for, the you know, March pandemic, it went down to 3,000, 3,500. Well, right now, as we talk, it's almost 63,000. There's a yeah. lot of people with a lot of money to spend, and they are going to spend it right now on NFTs because they already have all the wallets and everything set up. I think it's just you're not going to see that go away for quite some time, in my opinion. Well, yeah, it's not. I can, I yeah. can tell you firsthand, baby, and they're. Well, the, it's it's crazy. And by the way, it's great for creators because creators can go, especially artists can go on and do some really amazing things. There's a lot of really cool technology happening there. At the same time, are there a lot of scams and a lot of issues? Absolutely. That happens with any new technology. So I think you have to just kind of look past all the really funny examples and the $69 million people sales. And you have to say, okay, is there really some value creation going on? And is this thing called a smart contract really a thing that creators can well, use? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, yes. I mean, yeah. As we talked about last few shows, the technology behind blockchain, the technology behind smart contracts is useful and quite useful. Um, it's That is still, you know, in the classic Gartner, you know, sort of hype cycle, still at the, you know, the peak of the hype, um, where people are really still hyped up about this technology, but haven't quite figured out a way to make it uh, completely useful for business yet. But that will change. There's no doubt. Banks are figuring this out. Um, you know, real estate companies will figure this out. Uh, lawyers are going to figure this out for smart contracts. You know, ticket sellers are going to figure this out. There's a sort all manner of things where, um, and, and and in fact, it's interesting because that 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 crypto cryptopia documentary goes into a lot of that. Right, it goes into a lot of the the sort of useful um, things that the technology that is now being used for NFTs will ultimately enable. I just, you know, I, I, so I, I, I'm with you that there, that there's a useful technology here, but I, but I, at the same time, 
the I I want to advise people to not just look past it because it's easy to get wrapped up into that hype and say, oh, I can do NFTs and they, they, you know, but because there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of tears as well here because just you know very similar to where we were in the very early days of dot com. You know, it people got wrapped up in the in the hype. People got wrapped up in the in in the excitement, and didn't pay attention to the fact that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of silliness here too. Mm-hmm. And that's you just just we just got to keep there saying is, we just no, gotta you're, keep you're, saying that there's a lot you're of absolutely silliness. Absolutely right. Here. I think the difference for me personally is if you if we were having this conversation in 2017, I would have dismissed a lot of this. The difference in 2021 is the fact that every major enterprise on the face of the earth with any kind of cash are trying to figure this thing out. They're layering new new protocols and new technology on top of what's going on. They're looking at, okay, what's our next product and what do we need to do with smart contracts? They're looking at it all right now and you have enough funding behind it that's going to make it happen. It's not like 17 when Bitcoin went up and it was all retail. Uh, you, had, you had retail exposure and you had people regular people that were buying it and pushed it to the moon and then it all dropped that's not happening now that's right you actually have a lot of real serious players involved in making this thing a reality so there you go yeah yeah i think that's i think that's and again check the box we talked about nfts this episode we can now we can move on (laughs) yeah now we can move on (laughs) well let's move on to our favorite topic of course the other topic that you and i um don't necessarily agree on all of the time, which is, of course, our friends at Clubhouse. Uh, two articles that we'll link in the show notes here, folks. One is uh, from The Verge, um, which is so very vergy um, in terms of the article. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, they have a thing. They, they got a style. The Verge has a style. And the, the cover photo says it all to me about The Verge. But anyway, um, and then the second one we're going to is from TechCrunch, which is announcing something that we talked a little bit mm-hmm. about last week, which is that Clubhouse rolls out finally the, not finally, it's been a week, um, rolls out payments to 60,000 of its creators. And so just to cover the Verge article quickly here, the article headline is, Can Clubhouse Keep the Party Going? Fake laughs, imposters, scams, behind the invite only audio apps, most obsessive users. And it's written in the first person, uh, by uh, by an author who starts to talk about how she had a big Friday night plans for a VIP-only mansion party, the who's who of 2003, like Elton John, Howard Stern, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, and Lindsay Lohan would supposedly all be attending. Some guy named Nick Hurley owned the mansion, apparently, and to get through the door, everyone had to pass a vibe check by answering a question like, would you rather have a cat that acts like a dog or a dog that acts like a cat? Stayed up late. She's on the East Coast. She got ready to attend. She donned her usual sweatpants and hoodie, got into bed, pulled up the comforter, opened up the clubhouse, and that night uh, attended this wonderful party. And the article goes on to basically, you know, from a first-person sort of point of view, talk about the pros and cons of the celebrity-ish, as she calls it, the airport bar of the internet um, of clubhouse. And talks about the fact that it definitely has its problems um, and uh, um, all of the different issues that it has with the, some of the, the, the more pros uh, sorts of things and its appeal to, to her. Um, and really, it's a, 
it's a I guess it's just a it's a very long article. It's by the very way. vergy. Um, it, yeah, it's very vergy. It's very vergy. Um, you know, and and it I guess it it, it concludes uh, with this idea that basically it's kind of up to you. Right. Um, you know, if, if you're if this is if this is what you're into, it's it might just be fine. But it ends up highlighting some of the personalities that she met along the way in terms of the people who are really into Clubhouse, some of the hosts um, of some of the regular things. And I don't know. What did you think about it? it it's a I thought it was a really interesting article from a uh, from sort of highlighting what the personality of Clubhouse is kind of becoming. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know what I mean? But, but at the same time, maybe not a terrible amount of meat in that other than sort of, you know, capturing a lot of the, the feeling of it, the emotion well, of it. Well, I, I think know, if you're you a content creator and you're looking at this, you have to treat it like you would any other platform, either commit to it or don't you're either in or out. So if you're going to be in and you're going to, let's say, create a club on Clubhouse, you need to do something on a regular basis, make sure that people know when that is, do all the promotion with it, have great content, do it consistently over time, just like you would an email newsletter or a podcast or anything else. So that's the one thing. You have to put your time in. The second thing is, and we talked about this, the coolness factor is obviously gone. It's not really cool anymore. More. So where are they at? And it almost reminded me when I was reading this, Robert, that this is almost where Facebook was at when they started to let regular people in the platform outside of college students, where they had to get into verification and fake content and moderation and a whole new slew of problems came up. So that's that's. I don't know if that's something that you can actually – say there's a thing, but I, that's where I would put clubhouse right now is you're in the growing pains mode. You, they've got to figure this thing out. You know, you and I talked last week about whether or not they, they should just, Hey, now would be a really good time to sell. If you're going to sell, uh, or unless you have to go out and get more money to make all this happen, because they're going to have to do one or the other. They're going to have to go out and get another round most likely so they can do all this stuff and become a, you know, real social media network with all the bells and whistles or <laughs> they're yeah, Pinocchio or, or sell. <laughs> and I could absolutely see some, something like vine happen. Remember when Twitter purchased vine and then vine just went away. Yes. Well, that's, that's, that's what I happen. think. Yeah. That that's probably yeah, the, that's the, what the biggest odds would be some player like a Twitter, like a Facebook would come in and just buy them and then destroy clubhouse or morph it into something that's Facebooky or right. Yeah, you know, Twitter Spaces, yeah. which I'm not. I, I mean, really, I'm not a fan of Twitter Spaces, but whatever. No, I, I, well, it's just because it's 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 they haven't figured out how to make it work the same way the Clubhouse works, yeah. right? I mean, it's a different thing that, and it gets to my point earlier, right? It's a different, you know, because of the way that Twitter is established itself. It's a you know, it, right now, Spaces on. Twitter is a different kind of experience than you're going to have on Clubhouse because Clubhouse is, you know, interfaced in a, in a very in a very specific way as a, you know, it's a stage, right? Clubhouse is not a clubhouse. Let's just be really clear. When you join Clubhouse, you are not joining a club. You are not joining a clubhouse. You are joining a a a set of audiences who attend events. That's what you do. And so, I actually I actually much prefer 
the the original name of Clubhouse, which I think was called Talk Show when it was when it was first conceived, because that's what it is. It's just talk shows, and you can go join whichever talk show audience. But again, you, you, you I know. Like but joining. again, you just talked about. I mean, there's a pivot probably coming. This is how they're using it now. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it could be I, something I, else. I, Look, here, here's what I think, because I think you're exactly right. I think the, the thing that doesn't get talked about Clubhouse a lot, uh, certainly in the not uh, any those that aren't inside baseball, is there's no technology there. There's, they have no technology. The, the, they, they, they rent the technology for the audio drop-in thing, which is really the only thing that is technology-related um, to them. Um, and, and maybe they've built some sort of algorithm for presentation of, of, of uh, what you should be listening to. But that's not these days. That's not terribly hard to duplicate. And they already rent the technology from another company to do the, the live drop in audio thing. There's nothing to buy there from a technology perspective. There's just nothing to get there. The only thing you're buying is the hype, the, the brand, and the audience. Yeah, buying the audience. And the audience. The aud- I, and I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. But what you're buying now, and this is right up your alley, if I'm going to buy Clubhouse, I'm not, again, I'm, you're not buying the audience. You're actually buying the creators, right? You're buying that segment. And what you're saying is, I can make a business on my technology with those creators who will bring a new audience to my platform. So when I look at possible acquisitors, I don't see the traditional sort of like Facebook or uh, Twitter or Instagram or, well, that's Facebook, but you know, any of the sort of classic uh, social media networks looking to bolster their offering. They've already got it. They've got those people. They just didn't engage them particularly well. Who I see is more of a classic media company or a or someone who wants to get into the game of social media and social audio. And you know, we had this fun little debate on on a uh, very short debate on Twitter uh, with our good friend of the and family of the show, Dennis Shaw, who who talked about Spotify being a a, a possible option. And had they not gotten Betty. Um, and, and Betty Labs and, and already acquired that stuff, I would have said, yes, it's a perfect, that's a, that's a perfect, uh, you know, ex- aside from the ridiculous valuation that Clubhouse has right now. Um, but they would be a good acquisitor. So I think it's going to come from someone we don't expect, right? I think we're going we're gonna to see that the acquisition comes from a more classic media company looking to build a creator class that can pull in a new audience into its, uh, into its platform. That's that's my prediction. It could be just somebody that, like an Oracle, you know, Oracle tried to do, yeah, yeah, exactly. do the TikTok Oracle, thing before. Exactly. You never know. Salesforce. Again, yeah. I mean, again, the know, coffers I mean, are full. Yeah. There's a lot of cash yeah. in the sidelines, and they have There's to do a lot something of cash. with it. So here we go. Yeah. So so I think that's 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 right. Right. So um, Microsoft maybe um, you know a uh, Salesforce maybe Oracle maybe. You know, there's there's a lot of I can of see Microsoft. I can see Microsoft doing that, integrating it with LinkedIn. Yep. Exactly. That's the now it's you say you go. All right, that makes sense, right? That totally, totally makes, sense. makes sense. Absolutely, because it is more of a businessy audience and a little bit schwarmy too, <laughs> like LinkedIn is sometimes. Right. Yeah. 
All right. All right. Uh, moving on. Let's see. Where are we on time? Oh, I think it's time actually for us to move to our rants yes. and raves section. This is the favorite and most empirically proven best part of the show. I don't know. Is it? Is it really? I don't know. Do we have it's a best part of the show? Be the favorite the part question. of the question. Is there yes. a best part? Yeah. Do, is it all just is mediocre? There a best part? Is it? I think that's, I think that's true. the issue. Uh, See, you keep pushing it yeah. as the best part, but I think that I know I, it's the if best. Somebody yeah, did a, qual- a quantitative to... research survey on this; they would say there is no unequivocal we... best part. It's just meh. Well, there w- no, there would be, there would be, but it's sort of a garbage in, garbage out kind of thing, right? You know, because it's sort of like you know, you get to. We used to wear this when I was in consulting. Uh, now it's twenty five years. It's hard to believe twenty five years ago, um, when I was in a consulting firm, we used to have shirts that walked ar- and we walked around in them on Fridays when we would have casual Fridays. We had these T shirts made that said "We suck less," <laughs> which is basically you know we're we're just you know we're we're the best part of a mediocre organization um so anyway there you go uh, yeah yeah that's i, I that's, can relate there you go there you go yeah pnr we suck less <laughs> all right anyway that's our new hat <laughs> that's our new hat so anyway um uh this is our rants and rave section where joe and i go off in a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave and uh to sort of look at things like we've got a funny little e in our name or the fact that we've sort of used the normal alphabet to spell things um Let's see. Do you want to go first or shall I go first? Okay. Um, Yeah. I received, and I'm more disappointed than anything else. I guess this is a rant. I'm subscribed to YouTube's creator monthly. I don't know if you get this, but they send a newsletter out every month. I do not. And so I just got the April creator monthly newsletter. And it gives you, here's your total subscribers and views and whatever. But then it's supposed to give you information about how creators can be better creators, right? Which makes sense. It's the YouTube creator network. We want you to be better creators. It is such a worthless piece of email. I can't even I I, I want them to I want <laughs> no. them to do better. So basically what is so you get your stats at the top and then it says what's new with YouTube? You know, YouTube is as fun and safe as we can make it. So it's important we keep it vibrant and welcoming for everyone. See how community-wide responsibility helps protect the YouTube you love. And then it goes through four links to YouTube shows, but doesn't give any context for it. Doesn't really talk about how they, you know, you can take the next step with this. It's just somebody got the, and i feel bad i'm I, like if i don't want somebody <laughs> the, the person that actually did this email to hear what i'm going to say but it was almost like the intern got this responsibility to do this and to send it out to their millions of creators and i'm thinking oh my goodness what an opportunity you've had to really make a difference in the lives of these creators and to help them do something better than they're already doing and you really don't you're really like oh we got to send I mean, you do this all the time, right? Somebody just said, oh, got to do the email. Bob's doing the email. Bob, yeah, you do the email. Right. Okay, Bob says, okay. Somebody got some links to throw in here? Yeah, Judy's got links. Right. Throw those in there. Yep. And then it says, see you next month, Team YouTube. Thank you for wasting my time. Yep. Like, I don't I don't understand. This is, is a yeah. very important company with a lot of influence. What are you doing? So yeah. I'm just disappointed. Could be so much better. Yeah, you know, every time you think Google can has the resources and 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 you know, here's the thing though, 
creative excellence operates in pockets at Google because they do sure some they amazing do. things. Have always done amazing um, things. Yeah, and and it's it's just amazing to me how how siloed and pocketed that creative excellence is in that company um, because in many ways what you know the the irony obviously of that you know what i mean of of a newsletter to creators from creators um and not being terribly creative is 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 really sort of it seems to be lost on them but but um it, it's it's a it's not you know this terribly where, but, business worthy but this is where we've talked about this before this is where small focus companies and a small team can really make an amazing impact over that's right. the gargantuan that is YouTube. It gets the little that's things right. like this get lost, and how important any well, and like, you know what it is, and you know what I have found in in, in in all of our consulting work, and and we have never worked with Google, but I will tell you we've worked with many other of those kinds of companies um, that you know that have big you know many of the companies that we talked about today um, we have worked with from a consulting perspective on content and marketing. And a lot of them, I, it's a, it, what I've chalked it up to, it's, it's sort of, they suffer from the we don't have to syndrome. In other words, we're so big and so well-known and our brand is so you know, ubiquitous that we just don't have to work very hard. And th- I, that to me is what this feels like, right? Which is, you know, it, it's just in the scheme of their life, this email is a checkbox that somebody has to get done because they feel like in the world that they live in that there probably should be an email going out, you know? And so it's literally just that much of a priority for someone. And whether it's an intern or someone who's quite frankly very creative and just puts zero amount of time in this because they're KPI'd on it so little, it kind of doesn't matter because the end product is the same. It's like they would just be better not off doing not it doing at all. it. But right? let's they be would, honest, yeah. and you know this: most enterprise content marketing programs are check the box. That's of course exactly right. That's the you know, innovations I mean, that's, coming out of the small and mid-sized companies that are that re- really yes. able to do some amazing things without the red tape in a big corporation. So and 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 you know what it is, and this is I guess this is where I go off on a little bit of a rant because you're exactly right. For most businesses, it is just a checkbox thing, and it's not because the people creating the content don't care. It's because the business yes. doesn't care. The business the, and and. God, that, that just, you know, as 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 Peter might say, it really grinds my gears. So it, it's the it, the business doesn't care, um, and that's that that's the sad part. Is that I would bet, I would hazard a guess and say that the person who wrote that email to you cares, and but quite frankly, either doesn't have the time, doesn't have the resources, or doesn't quite frankly have the priority in yeah. their the way that they're probably, measured yeah, probably gets to, compensated to, to put the effort in a very different that's way right. than an open rate on and click through on this newsletter and, and it and it may even be that it's just uh you know a freelancer or an agency that's doing it yeah all right but but at the bottom it says was this email helpful and it's got five emojis <laughs> and i, I yeah click on the sad <laughs> the sad yeah. emoji it's like the it's like when you walk out of the tsa thing and you have to press the button about how was the TSA experience for you. And that's and exactly the that, by the face. way, these are exactly yeah. what these look like. And I want the poop emoji at, yeah. the, at the end. That's what I want. <laughs> I'm going to send back the poop emoji. Uh, that's very <laughs> All funny. right. What do you got? Uh, 
All right, very quickly here, I have two, uh, I guess one's a commentary and one's one's definitely a rant. Um, my commentary is uh, a, an article that we didn't cover on the on the show, but uh, it is, is definitely making some news here. I, I guess it's making news. It's a little inside baseball, I guess. Um, the headline from CNN is that uh, IBM uh, has created a new spinoff um, and maybe perhaps per pick the worst name ever. Uh, it, it's 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 right up there. I have to tell you, it's right up there yes, in terms of the, the worst name worst companies name ever. ever. Uh, it is called Kindrel, K Y N D R Y L, which sounds like some sort of anti itch cream to me. But is that like um, when I need some? Yeah, it, I need some Kindrel. wood to get the fire started. Is that Kindrel wood? Oh, it's kindling. Oh, okay. kin- no, it's it, no, it's when, it's when you come in from picking wood and you've got that rash on your arm. You go, oh, I, you know, just put some Kindrel on it. Um, you yeah, know, that's that's that's, like that's what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. It's an yeah, it's an ointment. Yeah, it's a it's a balm. It's but a that's balm. not what this it's, is. It's what it is. It's a balm. It, <laughs> Kindrel balm. <laughs> but this is different. It's uh, making myself. Oh, laugh I see. With 90s it's references. Well, I'm looking okay. at the article. It's it's derived from the word kinship and. Drill tendril, which is the word no tendril, <laughs> tendril, literally tendril, which is of course like an arm, like an octopus, right? You know, it's like I mean, it, that is that is a reach, folks. That that you know, the whiteboarding session that went on for that was either filled with smoke and weed or something happened because that going for the portmanteau of kindred and tendril. And coming up with Kindrel is that's not something that comes All right. sober. All right. I just I have, have to, to I have, I have to, to tell imagine. you the story. Yeah. Because uh because I nobody will listen to it. So I'm gonna It's almost as bad as Tronk. Well, maybe but, but maybe. Not, so yeah. so I had maybe, an idea yeah. years ago before you started seeing them where if you wanted to go to a place and mix all the different cereals together. So if I want a little bit of raisin bran, a little bit of cinnamon toast crunch. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. came up with the yeah, name yeah. Cereo, because I thought it'd be awesome. It's like, hey, where you want to go? Where are you going for breakfast today? I'm gonna go mash up some cereal. It's Cereo. <laughs> yeah, I actually have that domain. Cereo, it's good. Cereo it's, it's, is better it's, than Kindrel. Here's the one. Here, I, I actually thought uh, our, we were sitting around one night and came up with Cameo. And which was a mix of ketchup oh, and yeah, mayonnaise yeah, yeah. all in one I bottle. Um, they actually came out with that product. They they didn't call it Cameo. They called it something um, silly. But that's uh, uh, that's Mayo that's, chip? that's what um, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was something like that. It was it was literally something mayo or whatever. Um, okay, quickly my other rant, which is um, a little more um, I don't know. Serious is the right word for this show, but but certainly more substantive. Uh, this comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, which is what we'll link to in the show notes. Um, and the headline here is that Procter & Gamble worked with China Trade Group on the technology to sidestep Apple privacy rules. Uh, this is uh, this is something that's going to get a little more attention, I think, um, over the next, um, well, I don't know how long, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to get attention um, because... What the article talks about is how Procter and Gamble uh, and a number of other companies basically collaborated with Chinese companies um, to come up with new technology t- because of the disappearance of 
cookies and the way that Apple is going to change the hardware and software in their phones to be much more focused on privacy. And so uh, basically what has happened here is, is that they have been working on for years, it seems, um, this technology that will ultimately defeat the technology that Apple is, is, is trying to build so that it might actually uh, be able to track mm-hmm. you and serve up personalized advertising to you. Um, this is disturbing on many levels um, that, but, you know, and, and I won't go off on a huge rant about, about all of it. Um, what I guess bothers me the most is sort of the, a bit of the hypocrisy that, that, we're, that we're starting to see here. Um, if you had told me that another company had done this, like Facebook had yeah, done this or that, surprised. you know, some other company, I wouldn't be that surprised. The fact that P&G is at this and the, they, they specifically get to a quote from someone we have quoted many times on this show, Mark Pritchard, who is P&G's marketing head. Um, basically, they, they, they this, again, it gets, it grinds my gears. Um, Mark Pritchard, it's quoted as saying, this is the article now saying this, Mark Pritchard has advocated for a universal way to track users across platforms, including those run by Facebook and Alphabet's Google that protects privacy while also giving marketers information to better hone their message. Uh, for us, uh, let's be really clear here. If you go back, and I did, and you go back to all those things that we covered on this show about what Mark Pritchard was saying, we were usually basically giving him a standing ovation because what he was what he was arguing for exactly he's been arguing for transparency he's been saying look the facebook's the ad fraud behind you know google the ad fraud behind all of these platforms is is awful we need transparency we need to have one solution that basically is an industry standard that everybody can get behind and that is transparent and that so everybody knows where their data is getting tracked and he's been basically arguing for the same kinds of things that we would argue for, which is a complete set of transparency so that consumers can make up their own mind about how they're getting tracked. That's not this. <laughs> that's that. That's definitely not this. That is definitely not your company going off to China and trying to figure out your own siloed way of tracking users on a phone that's going to make it harder to track users mm-hmm. on their phone. That's definitely not this. And so the, the thing that I'm ranting about here is, and I don't know, they don't really quote him, um, but basically, uh, you know, they, they, they do quote the CEO of P&G who says, you know, we're reinventing brand building from wasteful mass marketing to mass one-to-one brand building fueled by data and technology, which is just a bullshit way of saying we're trying to target you with ads and scrape your data and your personal data in order to do that without your knowledge. And I just think it's 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 uh, it's 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 pretty rich for, uh, and I have to think that Mark Pritchard is kind of cringing right now at this because of all of the things that he's truly been advocating for is not this. And so anyway, it's a it's worth a read. Go check it out. Um, we'll see what happens with with all of this. I think it's probably not going to work because. Apple can certainly, you know, start to build technology that 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 uh, that that battles this. But you know, we'll, yeah, we'll I don't see. think I agree with you. I don't think we've heard the last of this. I think it's going to. We definitely have not heard the last of this. And yeah. you're going to see some backtracking. And 
It's just you're right. PNG. It's surprising. They've always been on the other side of that, and now it seems like they're yeah you know, knee deep in it. And they may, and by the way, they may be getting thrown under the bus here a little bit because if you read through it, it's not it's a lot just of other that. companies. You're it's, right. They, it's they, Deloitte. It's PricewaterhouseCoopers. It's Nielsen. Um, you know, basically, <laughs> PwC and Nielsen didn't respond for comment. Uh, nobody from Deloitte commented. But it's a lot. It's a lot of companies that's that right. went but in. But the on Wall this Street sort of, Journal um, put P and G in the headline. In the headline, yes, exactly. Yeah. Why and why? Because I'm sure they. Because it was because yeah. they commented. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well. All right. All right. We did it. What are you doing? What are you doing this week? What am I doing this week? Well, now that I am dose vaccinated, um, Ooh, <laughs> which is amazing. You haven't had your first one yet, have you? I have not because I had all kinds of designs to get the J and J vaccine, right. and then, then they, just, they they stopped giving it out. Yeah, so I just need to reconfigure my appointment. That. No, I'm just you know really yeah. the the number one thing is we have one child, and I won't mention which one has to pick a college within the next <laughs> week and a half. <laughs> I know which one it is. <laughs> I mean, this it's getting really late, yeah. and and everybody has a has yeah. a, a kid. Uh, a you know, a senior in high school knows that we're really late on this process. So he's got three to choose from. Uh, he's been threatened multiple times. So hopefully, may, might happen today. <laughs> might happen today. It, we will see. I can't wait for the Facebook post that announces this because I have my favorite. I have to tell you, but well, yeah. yeah. I, I honestly don't care. I don't care what it is. It, it yeah, could okay. be, right. uh, yeah, P and G University for all I care. It needs to be <laughs> something. What do you? <laughs> what do you got something. going on? Uh, this week we are. Uh, I'm actually, you know, here's the fun thing. I'm in the. I'm in a nice lull. Um, uh, and not, it's a very, not a very long lull, but it is a lull nonetheless. So the next couple of days, I'm actually gonna we're gonna get out to the beach and do a little rest and relaxation and reading and stuff like that for the weekend. And I don't actually have a big weekend project I have to take on. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, but then it'll kick right back up again next week. We got, uh, some new clients starting new projects starting, um, and, uh, all good stuff, all good stuff, good. busy, busy, busy time of year. And it's, I couldn't be more blessed for to you. be busy. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good time. And you will be even more busy with what we see going on. So that's good for you. I yeah. think that's true. Absolutely. I, yeah, I think that's true. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off. If you want to get all the goodness of this wonderful podcast, this mediocre podcast show notes, or dive into any of the other 266 episodes, uh, that's 266 hours of us, if you can imagine that. Can 266, imagine that? 266 hours, 266 of, hours of, of mediocre. Us? Yeah. Not many people can do that. That's... No, that's a hundred days. That's more than a hundred days. It's it's a hundred. That's like a hundred and twenty days of us, full twenty four hours a day. Anyway, just head on over, won't you, to our wonderful uh, website, 
this old marketing dot site, it's actually, uh, I will give my huge compliments to my friend Joe Polizzi for organizing the way that that website looks like because it's really, you know, by the nice. way, not it's really, we very use straightforward. A, a service called PodPage. Shout out to them. They do a great job, made it really easy. That's just wonderful. It's really, really simple and easy, and it's just great stuff. And they're not a sponsor. Um, so it's not, this is just a, it's just a wonderful evangelistic uh, shout out to them, um, who we also would love to give a shout out to is our good friends at Radix for powering our this old marketing dot site. And if you want your own dot site domain, you can go over to Radix and get that. Um, and until we meet again, folks, just remember it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on this old marketing.